exciting, exciting topic today, cardiovascular risk reduction. So this is another bread and butter primary care topic. So a lot that you already know. Hopefully, a few things maybe that you, you didn't know. Who knows? Um, happy May 4th, Shower's Day. Yay. We're gonna try and look at screening. Spend a lot of time on statins because that's kind of your, your best medications to go to for cardiovascular risk reduction. Um, look a little bit at uh, other therapies that are out there, yeah. other lipid lowerings, hypercarbohydratemia, aspirin, primary calcium scores, and maybe if we have time, get into some secondary prevention stuff. So, all right, why do we care about it? <laughs> What kills the most people in the U.S. every year? Heart, 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 right. heart attack. <laughs> so, and it's going up. 2020, 2021, it's gone up. Cancer stayed about the same. COVID is interestingly number three. Um, unintentional injuries and then stroke, also cardiovascular. You know, goes right along with the with other disease. So, uh, number one and number five. So, hopefully, we're spending at least as much time preventing heart attacks as we are for all of the cancer screenings, right? All right, half of all heart attacks are caused by five things that we can treat in our clinic. What are those five things? Okay, we'll, start, we'll start, start over here. What's one of them? Smoking. Smoking, good. Smoke. <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah. Cholesterol. Cholesterol, good. Obesity, good. Hypertension, good. Last one. Diabetes. Very good. Those are five. Great job, team. So these are half of them. So I've apparently already given lectures on hypertension, diabetes, obesity, and smoking are kind of straightforward. So we're going to spend a lot of time on elevated cholesterol today. All right. You see a new patient, Princess Leia. She's a 55 year old female. BMI of 32, she's gotten older, but on some pounds. Um, history of hypertension, hyperlipidemia, blood pressures 134, 32, takes lysinopril 10 milligrams a day, uh, doesn't smoke, has a family history, or <coughs> has a heart attack at 62, at age 80. Guess what she what can she do to decrease her risk of heart attack and stroke? So what are you gonna tell her? Where are we at? Make sure that she's exercising five days a week. Okay, exercise five days a week for 30 minutes. 30 minutes a day. Good. Diet. 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 Okay. Gosh, diet. Mediterranean diet. Okay. Good. What else? The things we can do to help her prevent her heart attack and stroke. Blood pressure control, okay, good, yep. So blood pressure is 134 now, so tighten down on that. What else? Yeah, absolutely. So um, what are you gonna order for her? Or as a wellness check today, say, okay, yeah, let's, let's order some tests. <laughs> specifically pertaining to uh <laughs> mammograms great i think we should, we should 
lung cancer screening. What can we do to prevent our heart <laughs> for cardiovascular disease? What can we what can we order? We got a lipid panel. Okay, good. Anything else? A1C, okay. Anything else? I grab a chemical. mate. okay. Fine, yeah. So generally lets you have uh, we talked a lot about getting A1Cs last time, but you just get a chemistry and you'll get a good idea of whether they have diabetes or not based on that. And if high, then you can go back to A1C. So all right. So who who are we gonna screen for uh for uh for lipid panels? What's what's the what's the general guidelines? 35 and older. Okay. Any other 40 and older. Who else? Risk factors, kids. Okay. Anyone else? Whatever server tells you to. Okay, you get that red, <laughs> red exclamation mark. You need to catch up on your preventative, whatever thing you are. So it says, says you get a lipid panel, get a lipid panel. Yeah. And then how often are you going to get them too? Depends on factors, their cholesterol level. Okay, so in general, I mean, this is the this is the USPSTF guidelines are going to be every pediatric starting at age eleven get one screening for hyperlipidemia, right? For familial familial hypercholesterolemia. Then, if they don't have any risk factors, starting at age forty, every five years. So at any point, if they have obesity, if they have hypertension, if they have you know any other risk factors, right? Then you want to screen earlier, right? Um, and then if they have an abnormal um, panel on one of those screenings, then you're going to have to screen. But this is kind of bare minimum, age 11, every five years, age 40 to age 75. All right. Patient tells you she had a bowl of cereal two hours ago. Is that okay? Are we going to make her fast? Where are we on our questions? We're going to go back here. Yes. Fine. Fine. Okay. They just know that who, who, who's going to make her come back for fasting? You are, you are. Who's not? Okay. Yeah, so it's fine, right? It shouldn't grossly affect your LDL, which is the main one we're looking at. So AAFP recommends um, as long as uh, adults get. Their triglycerides are over 400, then all of a sudden you gotta make them come back. You're not gonna get be able to get an LDL if your triglycerides are over 400. All right, you order a fasting from 14 and lipid panel on her, right? So she got total cholesterol 281, triglycerides 121, LDL is 195, HDL is 62, Rick 14's all normal. You didn't take an A1C because So, what are we gonna do with that? We're starting right away, huh? You wanna order any other testing based on that? Liver function. Liver function, okay, good. She had a chem 14, so we're liver function to normal. So, no one, no one else wants anything. What about screening for familial hypercholesterolemia? Her LDL is over 190. She's got kind of family risk, not really young family risk, but some family history of heart disease. 
what, what, would you, what would be the guidelines for who you'd want to check for, for get genetic screening for? They're 11 years old and it was an abnormally high cholesterol. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> so she's she's 50s. Not make it any, but hers is over 190. Is that any more concerning? So what you can do is you can do the Dutch Lipid Clinic Network Diagnostic Criteria for Familial Hypercholesterolemia. Right, everyone can pull that out. <laughs> and uh, you know you can look go up and add your score, and that's how you how you really diagnose. It's based on these these criteria. So, but part of that criteria is you have to get a DNA analysis. You have to actually send them over for genetic testing. In general, so the American Heart uh, American Cardiology recommends everyone over 190 to, to get genetic testing. Probably a, a lot of you know, places that's a lot easier to get done than here in Tulsa. We don't have a excess of genetic counseling <coughs> when their LDL is getting up there. So um, think about it also. So first, first degree relatives with uh, young heart disease before age Five, patient with heart with heart age fifty five, tendons anthomas, uh, and really high LDLs. So greater than one ninety, greater than two fifty, greater than three point five. So those are kind of if you get a score over eight, that's how you diagnose someone with. Yeah. Either one of you. Cerner, like, is it pretty straightforward to get the genetic? Right, so you have to you have to send them over to a genetic counselor. So I know we have one at St. Francis. That's kind of where I send my one for some like you know, BRCA gene testing that kind of stuff. So that's basically what what you're gonna have to get. And I mean, if you're free, some suspicion. Do you think it's okay to go through one through four? Yeah, of course. And don't order five. Exactly. So that's a that's a great way to start, right? So you know, a probable diagnosis is six to eight points. You can get to six to eight points without the genetic testing, right? Treats. So, how are you going to treat someone with familiar hypercholesterolemia? It's going to be very similar to someone else, right? You might get a easier for insurance to cover your PSK9 inhibitors for them, right? But outside of that, it's going to be your your treatment is still just preventing. without getting the test. Yeah. So, if you have a score greater than eight, <laughs> if you get a score greater than eight without it, then you could diagnose it, right? So. This is the this is the criteria to diagnose it right there. So if you have a score greater than eight based on that criteria, be diagnostic. So you kind of know, and you can have them make sure their family is getting aware and getting good screening and things as well too. So family medicine, right? We treat full families. Patients. <laughs> All right, we can talk about lifestyle recommendations. Um, so I mentioned smoking cessation. <laughs> How are we gonna? How are we gonna do smoking cessation? Someone, someone, give me some some treatments. Butrin, Chantex, patches, gum, lozenges, therapy. Great. Those are all base practices. Something. Don't just say you should quit. You know, do something about it. <laughs> Your chances of quitting are much lower if you start on on medication and really motivate them. So. Something about it. Um, healthy diet. So we mentioned this. Fruits and vegetables. The Mediterranean diet. Increased fiber. No one in America gets enough fiber. Foods with low glycemic index. So low carb diet. Yes. Sorry, this is kind of a delayed response to the other slide. But after that thing a couple of years ago, where Chantix 
coming off the market. I've just been hesitant to start using it again. Is it, it's fine it's it's safe to use now? It's still FDA approved. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's, good, it's one of the two FDA approved medications we have, right? Interact different to it. A lot of them hate it. Some of them you'll get to quit smoking, even if it's just a few. The amount that you can decrease their risk by quitting smoking is probably better than any medication we can put them on. I always tell my patients that they say, Oh, I don't want to take all these medications, doc. I want to quit smoking, right? That's better for you <laughs> than any of these medications I'm putting on. I say, oh. <laughs> um, increase omega 3 fatty acids. So these are kind of your key points for when you're telling patients, like, what kind of diet? Low carb, low red meat. You know, those are the two things that aren't on there. The American diet, those are those things. Uh, where are we at? Physical activity, Chris said, 30 minutes a day, five days a week. One in five Americans get enough physical activity. Look on the other four. Okay, everyone pull out your phone. Calculate her ACTS. Okay. Everyone has MD calc. I want everyone to do it because I know you guys can do it. You do it every day, right? Rage, she's 55. Diabetes. Yeah. Female, non smoker. Total cholesterol was 281. Uh, 62. Blood pressure is 134. Is on treatment and she's white. So, what's what you what'd you get? 28. What are we gonna do? Yeah. Skip the steps. You're gonna so you're gonna put her on on statin anyways, huh? Uh, so we got one vote for statin. Who's gonna put her on a statin? What's your statin? Anyone not gonna put her on a statin? You're gonna give her a chance to lower it with lifestyle interventions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. Oh, when are you gonna recheck her? <coughs> Months. Okay. Um, fine. I mean, I against that, the guidelines would 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 disagree with you, but like <laughs> patients, I think that's reasonable, right? Her risk score is lower. She doesn't have diabetes. She's not a smoker, so her is fifty-five. Her risk is lower. Um. Yeah. What else are you gonna start on? You start her on. So we we start her on statin. Or anything else? Start on aspirin. Diet and exercise plan. Diet and exercise plan. Okay, good. Lifestyle preferral. Lifestyles again. So again and again, yeah. See a dietitian. Why not? Okay, so here's the cutoffs for uh, for um, who you're gonna start on a statin, right? So we always get that calculator. You get the risk score, and then you decide, wait, what do I do now? So less than 10% ASCVD risk score. Lifestyle modifications, 10 to 20% moderate dose statins. So that's like a forbistatin. Um, and then if you respect their lipids, if it's still not controlled, keep bumping up the dose until it is. 20% um, 
Um, additionally, uh, this is this guidelines here is based on the USPSTF. They say everyone forty and seventy-five AAFP says greater than seven point five plus everyone over one ninety and diabetics will also be contact. So yeah, it's a little bit um, less strict. AFB is a little bit more strict. What's up? When you start a statin, how often are you rechecking it every day? Great question. When do you want to do it? <coughs> Six months? One year? Three months. Three months. Dr. Ganser, when do you recheck a lipid panel? Three months. Okay. So up to date says 12 weeks. Let's see if I have it here. Yeah. Recheck it. So up to date recommends liver panel and TSH prior to starting. Recheck lipids at six weeks and then every year thereafter. Routine monitoring of LFTs and creating kinase are not actually indicated. So that's what up to date says. Um, where are we at? Let's begin a statin. Let's see here. Oh yeah, what else? So we did that risk score, right? What wasn't included in the risk score that also put someone at a higher risk for heart attack? Obesity, right? So we didn't add, type in their weight when we calculated the risk score. So good, metabolic syndrome and obesity. Who else? What else? Family history, right? I didn't type in a family history. That puts someone at higher risk. What else? Use, yeah. So does alcohol use increase or decrease cardiovascular risk? Right. We got some slides on that or later, so don't let me forget about it. We'll come back to it. So what else? What other family? Or sorry, what other risk factors aren't used in our calculator? Think of it. We got family history and obesity. Previous. Previous heart attack. So, if, yeah, if you've had a heart attack, that's probably a good one. You can think of any conditions, maybe, that would put you at a higher risk. Coronary artery disease. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a huge list of things, right? So, LDL, family history, metabolic syndrome, chronic kidney disease. People with chronic kidney disease are at higher risk for heart attack. History of preeclampsia. Screaming for menopause before age 40, chronic inflammatory diseases, rheumatoid arthritis, chronic HIV, high-risk ethnic groups, hypertriglyceridemia. We didn't type in ALDL or their triglycerides when we calculated the risk score, right? So these are other things to think about that aren't the risk score. protein B and apolipoprotein A. So those are kind of the new up and coming research just looking at ways to lower the, April, the your lipoprotein A level. Anyone ever checked a lipoprotein A level? Any other patients? Yeah, Dr. Rylander, you ever checked lipoprotein A? Twice. <laughs> that's two times more than me still, so <laughs> that's, that's good. So this, both doctors. <laughs> Uh, ankle brachial index, IC rectal protein. So a whole number of things outside of just your things you're using to type in your ASCVD risk score, you kind of have to take into account as well. Um, this patient, her ASCVD risk score was only 3.7%. Uh, 
So we started her on October statin, recommended her lifestyle intervention. When do we want to repeat her lab? So we, we kind of actually jumped, jumped the gun on this. So six weeks and then every year. Um, oh, statins, this is my patient taking them. How do you know if your patient's taking your statin or not? Recheck their LDL. When you recheck their LDL, how much do you expect it to go down? 35% reduction in LDL. So that's just with low dose, even just 10 milligrams of Torosan, you should see a 30% drop, right? 20 milligrams, 45% reduction, resuvastatin, or just low dose resuvastatin, 30%, 10 milligrams, 40%, and then even the lesser ones, 25 to 30%. So remember those numbers because we're kind of going to compare these to a lot of other treatments, right? So um, make your meds, right? What was that over the six weeks? So this is like a, by probably by, yeah, by six weeks, you should start to see reduction. By the <coughs> um, how do, when do you take your statins? Is it better take them morning or night? Right. Right, because when you sleep, that's when you create all your cholesterol, right? So the short acting ones like simvastatin, you want to take at night. Corvastatin, it lasts 24 hours, so it doesn't really matter when you take it. They didn't studies didn't find any difference taking it morning or night. Side effects, what is every single one of your patient you put statins on gonna have, even though only seven to 20% are supposed to have it? Muscle, muscle aches, right. Um, serious muscle energy, very, very rare. Elevated LFTs, you're more often gonna see the ALT higher than the AST, <coughs> rare hepatotoxicity. Uh, and then elevated blood sugars. So they can increase your blood sugars. There is a will increase your risk of being diagnosed by of diabetes. So those people that are on the threshold, we're already almost going to get diagnosed with diabetes. Overstatin could bump you up just enough to hit that 6.5. So, um, but when we're looking at risk and benefits, right, that risk of elevated blood sugar is very minimal compared to the amount of cardiovascular risk reduction. What can we do? So my patient has, has the muscle aches. What do, you, what do you want to do for them? What are you going to tell them? Suck it up. You all right. It's okay, even a small dose of these medicines. <coughs> the effective completion is it's okay to like do a break and then once they have this. Exactly. So. Switch it to maybe one of the less intense ones, right? So maybe probostatin will have slightly less, have less side effects. Take the resuvastatin, but just take it every other day. If you can tolerate it every other day, that's fine. You know, because they are such dramatic drops that you know, better than nothing. So, um, good. What about vitamin D supplementation? Should you put them, put them on vitamin D? Does that help with their myalgias? Yes. You say yes. They know, so there was a JAMA publication published in November that did that showed randomized controlled trials of vitamin D or placebo found exactly no difference in myalgias patients supplemented vitamin D on statins. So that's may have a placebo effect, I suppose, but nothing else. That. There's actually other evidence out there that it does work for people that have low vitamin D levels. Low vitamin D levels, okay. So if a person has low vitamin D level, it Right before you start on the stamp. So. Okay. Well, let's go. <laughs> um, 
I'll probably statin. All right, what about alternatives? So they say, no way I'm doing statins. Isn't there, there's gotta be another medication out there, right? There, doc, you always put me on a different medication when I have issues with my antibiotics, right? Mm -hmm. So what else, what else can we try? K9 inhibitors, okay. We'll get to those in a second. What else? Fish oils, okay. <laughs> Put them on fish oils. Uh, can, if they have hypertriglyceride in addition to their elevated ASCVD risk score, you can, they can decrease cardiovascular um, risk, but there's no hypertriglyceride in me yet. Fish oils don't have any benefit really. Um, so Zetia is probably the most common one that's, that we see used because it's relatively inexpensive. But compared to the statins, right, you're getting 17% reduction in LDL versus 30, 40, 50% reduction in LDL. It's all the studies that were done with it were mostly done in conjunction with statins to decrease the LDL further with statins, not so much as a primary therapy. Um, Bifidoic acid. So this is uh, another option, $400 a month and you're still not getting anywhere near as good as a statin. So, you know, if you have a really rich patient that refuses to take a statin, maybe consider it, because I doubt insurance is gonna wanna cover it for them. Uh, fibrates, again, lowering triglycerides, but no significant cardiovascular benefit. Estrogen, the Women in Health Initiative didn't really find significant cardiovascular benefits from it. Let's <coughs> lower your LDL. Um, Balacid sequestrants, minimal LDL reduction, but GI side effects. So those, these are all alternatives. Kind of some risks and benefits, but it's not like all of them though, of course. Um, this is the, the acid. Um, the myalgias doesn't raise blood glucose. It's, it's downside to being really expensive and not having all right, PSK9 inhibitors. Who has any patients on PSK9 inhibitors? No one, no one has a single patient. No one at all, really. Okay, what if I tell you there's a medication out here that can reduce your LDL by 70%? You can have 50% reduction in cardiovascular events. Wouldn't you want all your patients on that? Ah, now, now you just get them to afford it, right? <laughs> so... This is, this is kind of the, the newer cutting edge, right? So um, monthly injections are gonna decrease your, um, they basically just, they're monoclonal antibodies that block the production of LDLC. So um, really, really, really good data from, from all these, but again, it's getting patient to approve it. I have, I have one or two that cardiology has managed to get approved by insurance. That's that's about it. And even then they had to try like five or six different statins before their, their insurance would actually approve it. And he already had a stint. So that's like known cardiovascular disease. It, it can be done. It's just insurance folks really are not, not in the mood to pay for it. So there's on the market right now, Rapatha and Perluent um, with cash pay with GoodRx, <clears throat> like $500 a month for your injections. Um, Minimal side, of, minimal side effects, some site reaction, monoclonal antibody, they do decrease your uh, URIs. There's like a 10% for infections. Um, this is another one. Uh, Surian, however you say it. 
So it's not a monoclonal antibody. It's actually works uh, interfering RNA molecules. So basically, if you fell a BSK9, then that's about the only time you would, you would end up on this. So there's still, at this point, the Orion 4 trial is still ongoing. So we don't even know if this one decreases risk of cardiovascular disease because had time yet to know. And even further, um, this is kind of the even newer cutting edge therapies. So Pila Carson and Therian. So I don't even know if I'm saying those right, but this is your APO lipo, lipoprotein A reduction. Um, so this is kind of what they more and more research is pointing towards lipoprotein A being associated with, uh, with um, heart attack and, uh, and vascular disease. So these ones are have dramatic reduction in lipoprotein A. So compared to the PSK9 inhibitors, which were like 20 to 30% reduction, this one had 80%, and this one had 90% reduction in lipoprotein A. Um, so we're still waiting in the phase three trial to see if they have cardiovascular risk reduction. But if there's dramatic cardiovascular risk reduction, I mean, good grief, this is going to be like the gold standard of, of medications potentially. So we, will, we will see. It's supposed to be coming out 20, uh, 2024, 2025. I feel that new research coming out. Um, so patients tells you they're taking apple cider vinegar instead of <coughs> you don't know the power of evidence based medicine. What supplements do work? Any supplements that do work? Red yeast, yeah, red yeast rice has LDL reduction by 12%. Again, no one's paid to actually do large studies and the cardiovascular benefit, but there is some LDL reduction. And I don't know how you saw that, see that, but it's not related in plants, has modest LDL reduction. There's a ton of other ones that people have done studies for that really don't show any benefit, or like calcium, tea, coconut water, all those different things. So there's no shortage of things people will sell you to try and try and take to lower your cholesterol instead of instead of statins, but ultimately most of them are not going to. All right, so why do we care so much? Again, just kind of going back to the whole point, right? So this is your risk of cardiovascular death over years with high LDLs. So um, when you start someone on a statin, right? So this is why starting someone that's 85 year old, old on a statin is probably not gonna help significantly. It's, it's years and years and years of high LDL that really makes, makes a difference. So. Um, Starting people screening at age 40, so that way you can put them on it and start risk, you know, reducing the risk early. But, right, someone that has high LDL, someone with low LDL, that's a significant difference in cardiovascular death. Why do we? Yeah, exactly, right? Is that going to, maybe, you know, in their next 40 years, they'll really <laughs> Kind of seems a little bit pointless. I agree. Um, Hypertriglyceridemia. Look at that patient that you ordered the lipid panel back. They were fasting. Now their triglycerides are 600. What can I do with them? Uh, that's the triglycerides, so we don't really care, right? <laughs> what do you guys usually put them on? Put them on anything? Say so change your diet? Fibrate? Okay. Good option. Any medications, what else do you use? Fish oil. Fish oil, okay. Omega-3. Does anyone use the, the CEPA? Does anyone prescribe that? Yeah. 
Yeah, once or twice. So that's that's the recommended. So Vasipa has got the best evidence for patients that have both type for triglyceridemia and elevated risk. So if their ACVD or scores less than two percent, Vasipa, and if they can't afford Vasipa, then omega three fatty acids. Um, if they're once their triglycerides are getting over five hundred five rates, the best medication to actually lower their their um, triglycerides. Not as much um, evidence for it for increasing your cardiovascular risk, um, but yeah, ultimately, ultimately dietary. If you just really just put them on like a vegetarian diet, they can increase their uh, triglycerides really really fast. So these patients that you come see come in with pancreatitis and stuff like that. Probably should be on a fibroid to lower, um, but also really, really strict dietary changes. No alcohol, no red meats. Um, yeah, Vasipa. So, how do you prescribe it? It's two milligrams once a day. Cost without insurance about $85 a month. Um, vibrates, right? You go in, you type in vibrate and Cerner, you get about 20 different things pop up, right? So, how do you know which one to prescribe? I've had good luck with the 145 milligram of them having it in stock and insurance covering it. Sometimes you just have to call the pharmacist and see what their insurance will cover and stuff. So I, I get all sorts of ones sent back and I try different ones sent back and try different ones sent back and try different ones. That's just trial and error too. Uh, and then the omega-3 fatty acids you can get over the counter. They don't even need a prescription for that. Um, okay, aspirin. What are, what are our uh, recommendations for Starting patients on aspirin. So we had, what do we decide with this patient? Turn her on aspirin or not? Said no. Who said yes? We're going to start her on aspirin? No one. No one wants aspirin. You said, you said one, one person wanted to start her on aspirin. Okay, with her risk score of 3.7. Let's think about it. So let's think through the risks and benefits, right? So this is the, the big 2019 trial meta-analysis of a whole 13 different studies back in 2019 that kind of came out with the new, new guidelines in 2019, where they kind of peeled back the recommendation uh, for aspirin, uh, not quite as broad of therapy. So remember, this is primary prevention. This is patients that have never had a heart attack or stroke, right? So it's primary prevention. Um, basically, your number needed to treat 241 patients in years to reduce one um, incidence of, card of cardiovascular death. Uh, versus 210 patients needed to cause a significant bleed. So you're more likely to cause a bleed with aspirin than you are to, to uh, prevent a, a death. So I think something to remember. Um, so then what are the guidelines? During college cardiology, <coughs> risk score greater than 10, age 40 to 70, and low risk of bleeding. PSTF says age 40 to 60, greater than 10% risk, low risk of bleeding, um, but it should be individualized because the potential benefit is small. So they say no one over 60 for primary prevention. So the patients coming in, you know, 67 year olds on aspirin, really have that uh, discussion with them, you know, the risks of it as well. Um, so her probably, we're probably not gonna throw our aspirin score's not high enough. Oh, what else? What else can we do? It says, hey, I hear that something I could drink every night with dinner tastes good and could reduce my risk of cardiovascular disease. 
Cider vinegar. Well, cider vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> it could reduce her anxiety. Well, so Patrick asks, how will we celebrate a sainthood? Break it to him gently, right? Um, so yeah, alcohol. Right? Um, it does actually reduce your cardiovascular uh, disease. So at one drink per day, at two drinks per day. Now it starts going up, and one drink per day it actually increases your risk. But alcohol increases mortality, right? So past one drink per day, there's no decrease in mortality. Two drinks a day increase mortality by about six months over their lifespan. Three drinks a day, now you're at two years off their lifespan. Four drinks a day or more, now you're at four to five years off their lifespan. So hard to recommend any sort of therapy with that high of uh, increased mortality. It's like putting your 80 year olds on Cerebral, right? Like, yeah, it calms it down, but. <laughs> <laughs> so. um. All right, do you want, who wants to order a coronary calcium score for this patient? Patient? No. Who would you who would you order a coronary or a calcium score on? If you're on the fence, you start your statin. If you're on the fence, very good. So what is what is on the fence? Uh, what is CBD risk score? Yeah, between seven point five and 10. Yeah, that's a great spot. Yeah, those ones that are saying uh, my my cholesterol is a little bit high. What do you think, doctor? Should you put me on the statin? And say, well. You could maybe have some benefit from it. They're like, doctor, I want a straight answer, right? <laughs> you say, okay, well, we can get more information is better. So you say, let's get a coronary calcium score. So benefit, there's really no benefit. If their ACVD risk score is over 20, right? You know, you need to be on statin and tight therapy. Um, if they're really low risk, not going to be much benefit. Their chest pain, right? We're not ordering coronary calcium scores for, for, um, for those who are ordering stress tests. Um, but kind of this in-between patients you're kind of on the borderline for. So you get your cardiomyopathy calcium score, a score of 100 is equal to an ACV to risk score of 7.5%. So essentially, if they have a score of 100 or higher, then you probably should be uh, an elevated LDL, then you probably should be on statin. Um, and then also, if they're less than age 70, there is a benefit for starting aspirin. Guide that statin aspirin therapy is... All right, so you put her on a statin, you get a beautiful reduction in LDL, right? 10 years later, now she has a heart attack. So there's a number of medications we're gonna do secondary, um, secondary prevention. What else are we gonna put her on now? She needs to be on aspirin, absolutely. Already on the statin, so. Or the beta blocker, yeah. Anything else? What else? She says, is there anything else? I really don't want to have another heart attack, Doc. <coughs> what is it? Lysinopril. Yeah, so this have more benefit for patients with heart attack, right? Same with SGLT2. Sorry, not heart attack, but um, heart failure. So same with SGLT2 inhibitors. Um, Antiplatelet uh, therapy. So like yeah, so absolutely. So basically anyone that's had a heart attack needs to have a 
cardiologist and you're probably just kind of going to go along with what they recommend, but some things to think about. So in addition to our aspirin and statin, Holtacine. So there's new data from the Lodoco 2 trial 